right, good morning. Welcome to Solace Church. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Maybe that was your experience. You just kind of wanted to get away from the family. Maybe they brought up politics or religion or bedlam or whatever it may be, and it caused pandemonium, and maybe it was a, hopefully a great Thanksgiving for you. Uh, and I, I'm so glad that you're here today. I know that we're all full of turkey and tired, um, and so I hope that we're ready to engage. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, if, if you don't know me, uh, I'm Jay. I'm the executive pastor here. If you haven't got to experience uh, being with me, that's not going to work. That response is just not going to work. This is interactive. This is our time together. Uh, we, we are in this as a team. And so I'm going to ask one more time, and I want to I hear loud. How are we doing today? Okay, that'll work. That beat the first crowd. Um, as I said, I'm the executive pastor here. Uh, pastor Matt's taking a couple of weeks off to spend with family, which is great. He's going to be back next week uh, for our Give Sunday, so I'm excited about that. Um, so I'm going to answer a que- try to answer a question today, and here's the question that we're going to answer as a team. And again, this is, this is interactive, so if you agree with something I say, feel free to applaud, to say amen, to be vocal about it. If you disagree with something, keep your mouth shut. This is not for you. Don't you dare. No, I'm just kidding. I want you to, I want you to be vocal. I want you to, uh, to agree if you agree, um, and let's, get, let's be in this together. If you're watching online, thank you for being a part of our online community. I know my mom is watching from home, so hello, mom. Um, we hope to see you here uh, on campus. Uh, so here's the question we're going to answer. Are you attractive? Are you attractive? <laughs> That's probably no back there. Um, attraction is, is a funny thing. I have a dual role, role here. Uh, I'm executive pastor. I'm also the student pastor. And I've been in student ministry for about 15 years now. And uh, I, I've, I notice and I can tell when these teenagers start really thinking about attraction and being attractive, it, it usually happens about 12 or 13, um, and you can really tell with the, the, the guys, the boys, because if you have a junior high boy, they are all about being as gross as humanly possible. Like, that's just their goal. If you've ever been to camp with them, they wear the exact same clothes the entire week, and it's like a badge of honor for them. Uh, they smell like a dirty locker room just 24-7. If you, have, if you have a teen, you know what I'm talking about. But something happens about 12 or 13, and they, they start noticing girls. And then they start to change a little bit. Their clothes kind of match a little bit, like they tried a little bit. Their hair is kind of fixed. They got way too much goop in it, but at least they made an attempt. Uh, and, and they just use an ungodly amount of Axe body spray. I don't know if you've experienced that. That's the moment you can know that your teenager has really started uh, noticing the opposite sex. And it's the same with girls, too. They stop wearing sweatpants and start wearing the, the jeggings or leggings or meggings or whatever girls wear nowadays. And they, they get the herd in. They make sure that it's all good to go. It's either if it's curly, they make it straight. If it's straight, they make it curly. I don't understand that. My daughter has curly hair, and she hates it. But, but they, they, they want to be attractive. They want the guys to notice them. And I can remember the exact summer where that, when, that, when that happened for me. It was 1992. I was 12 years old. Uh, and we spent our summers at the Jinx swimming pool. And um, my brothers and sister, and we'd go there and swim around. And this summer was a little bit different. I started noticing the ladies. How's it going? And I was swimming, and I was watching these people. They had a 10-foot high dive. And I was watching these guys do flips and, and dives and all these things. And I noticed that while they were doing that, the ladies were, like, checking them out, like, oh, that's so good, good job. You know, like, they just really were noticing the guys. And I thought, you know what? This is my moment. This is, this is the moment for me to, to, for, to attract the attention. Um, and so what I thought I would do is I, I would get out of the pool. I would make my way to the diving board. 
Um, I would climb up to the top of the diving board. I would start at the back of the diving board. And at this point in time, everybody in the pool would notice that this guy was about to do something big. The hottest girl in the pool would start the slow clap. I'm going to keep doing this until you join in. So, Jay, and she'd start chanting, Jay, 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 Jay. All right, stop. Everybody would be watching. I would run from the back, and I would just spring, and I would do three back flips, a triple sow cow, a double, double flip into a perfect splash, 10 from the Russian judge, and the crowd would go crazy. I would come up out of the water to the roar of applause. The hottest girl in the pool would come and ask me for my number. I would carry her off into the abyss. That was what I thought was going to happen. That's the dream that I had in my head. This is what actually happened. True story. I got out of the water. I walked over to the diving board. I began climbing up the ladder to the 10-foot high dive. And it was about halfway up that I realized I'm afraid of heights. I hadn't known it to that point. Um, but that moment I realized I'm afraid of heights. So I climbed up the ladder, got to the top where the rails are, and I thought to myself, you know what? There's no need to run down the diving board. That's a bit showy. Let's not do that. We don't, we're, not, we're not trying to go over the top here. Let's just walk out slowly um, to, to the edge and just, you know, we'll do our flips and stuff from there. Um, so I slowly started walking, you know, like this, holding onto the rails. And I, you know, and then at some point there's no rails and you just kind of have to just, you know, free walk out there. And so I'm like, you know, like baby step walk. And I get to the end, and I kid you not, I am just, I'm crippled and paralyzed by fear. I, I, it looks like a million feet down to the water. And so at this point, I'm just kind of standing there. People are starting to notice now, and not for a good reason. Uh, they see this little 12-year-old guy up there, and he's just scared to death. And so I'm contemplating, like, how am I going to do this? And all of a sudden, the lifeguard yells, hey, buddy, you need to jump. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So now the entire pool is looking at me. I'm stuck on the edge of the diving board, not knowing what to do. And it's at that point I was like, you know what? I don't need to do a bunch of flips and stuff. That's just, that's too much. You just need to do a single flip and it'll be okay. So again, everyone's watching me. I'm feeling all the pressure, but I can't bring myself to jump the way you're supposed to. So I thought I'll just kind of roll into it, just kind of a tuck and go kind of situation. And I did that and I landed straight on my head from 10 feet uh, high, which must have looked really bad because the lifeguard decided he needed to jump in and save me. <laughs> True story. I come up out of the water. There's not thunderous applause. There is the lifeguard with his little buoy thing trying to save me. I push him away. I walk out. I am just dejected. I get out of the pool. I go back to the kitty area and just sit in the water and cry. That was my first experience with attraction, and maybe you have a similar story but at some point in our life, attraction and, and being attractive becomes an important thing. And if I can get a little bit serious today, and let me just say that, that God has really been, been dealing with me. And, and so, you know, I, I prayed earnestly about, you know, what do you want me to say? And this is what he brought to me. And I would suggest today that Christianity as a whole has an attraction problem. It has an attraction problem. People, especially millennials, are walking away from the church in rapid numbers. Almost 40 percent of millennials, almost 40 percent of millennials have no form of religion. They've walked away from the church, and I know what we want to do, and I am guilty. Listen, this, I'm preaching my, to myself 
What we want to do is we want to just complain. Well, they're millennials. They all get a trophy, minimum wage. Well, you know, we just want, we want to attack, right? But there's a, there is a problem. Let's just be real. Today we're going to get real. And so if that's not good for you, you may want to walk away because this is going to be real. There's a problem. There's an attraction problem. And people are walking away from the church. It's become unattractive. And listen, if the church is unattractive, if Jesus is no longer attractive, it's our fault. It's our fault. We are the body of Christ. And if Christ is no longer attractive, it's our fault. We got to take the blame. We got to stop blaming other people. And we got to start looking internally and asking what's going on. What's the issue? I was listening to, to Andy Stanley, who's just one of my favorite speakers, and he, he said this line, and it caused me to stop and really take a self-inventory, and that's, that's really what I want to do today. I just want you to think about your life, and this is, this is what Andy Stanley said. He said, people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. He said it again. People who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. Now, I'm not saying everybody in the whole world liked Jesus. It was mainly the religious people who didn't like him, but, but sinners, tax collectors, Roman soldiers, they, they wanted to be around Jesus. They wanted to know more about him. They wanted to hear his story. They were attracted to him even though they were nothing like him, even though he spoke out against some of the things they were doing. They still wanted to be around him. So why is that not the case anymore? Why, why is Jesus not attractive anymore? And, I, and listen, I'm going to make some generalities today. I understand that's not, you know... Jesus is still attractive, but, but the perception is that church is not as attractive as it used to be. Why is that? And I had to stop and think, maybe because of me. And maybe because of the church. This is the perception of the world. We have to face it at some point. We have to come to terms with that this is the way that the millennials feel. This is the way that... that America as a whole is starting to feel. And, and I don't feel like this is just this feeling that I have inside of me. There, there's some numbers that I want to give to you in a recent poll that's done on, on, that was done on religion here in America. It said that uh, now 20% of U.S. adults have no religious affiliation. 20%. The same poll was done in 1972, and it was at 7%. In 1972, 7% of people said that they didn't affiliate with Christianity, and it's now up to 20%. There's an issue. When it comes to who makes up the U.S. population for the first time ever, Protestants are not the majority of the U.S. population. It's at 48% now for the first time in history. Again, back in 1972, it was at 62%. It's being projected that the percentage of Americans attending church will be cut in half by the year 2050. Half. That is millions. And another study found that over half of the churches in America did not add a single person to their church in the last year. What's the problem? Why is the church not effective? Why is the church not attractive? And listen, please understand my heart. I'm speaking to myself, and I'm speaking to the church, and I, I don't want this to be condemning. I want it to be challenging. I want us to think outside of the box. What's going on? What are we missing? And in the studies that I saw, in the, in the deconversion stories that I heard, it's not like people are saying, I don't want God's love. That sounds horrible. I don't want heaven. That sounds miserable. People aren't saying that. 
quite honestly, a lot of people are walking away because of the way they view Christians. There was a study that was done, and non-Christians said that 87% of non-Christians feel like the church is judgmental. 87%. And 85% believe that the church is hypocritical. The truth is that there's a world that believes that we're about judging others that are different from us, and that we don't even live up to what we say we believe. And again, we have that mindset of, they don't know us. We're church people. They're scum. They don't, I mean, that's, come on, let's be honest. That's, we can fall into that. Who, what do they know? But that's the perception. Listen, the same study was done inside the church. 52% of people inside the church said that Christianity is judgmental. More than half. 47% of people said that the church was hypocritical inside the church. There is at least an optics problem, and perception is reality. And I think we need to take a look. And there's a couple of things as I, as I was studying this. Again, this has been a couple of months that God has really been dealing with my heart and, and causing me to pause and look at myself. And there's a couple of things that I thought. I look at these numbers and, and all these things, and it's easy to be discouraged, but, but then I thought, you know what? God is still God. That's the first thing. I, look, God is still God. He is still in control. He is still love. He is still on the throne. He is still God. So I think as Christians, if we could just come together and just calm down just a little bit. I feel like we are freaked out right now. There's a lot of stuff happening. But God is still in control. So that's the basis. Let me, let me say that again because I, I think I heard one amen. God is still in control. Okay, that's the basis of where we need to start. But then secondly, as I was thinking through this, it really frustrated me because as a Christian, I feel like I'm at a, in between a rock and a hard place because I, I, there's so much going on that I have opinions about. This last election, protests, pipelines, socialism, Black Lives Matter, you name it. There's so many things that we want to talk about. But I also want people to see the love of Christ through me. So how in the world do I balance those? How do I, as a Christian, speak truth and show love? So I had to stop. And I had to ask myself a question, a question that I did not want to even say or ask because of this fad that happened in the 90s. Maybe you wore the bracelet. The question is, what would Jesus do? Such a cheesy question. That's really, at this point in my life, the, the only question that I could think of to answer this for myself is, what, what would Jesus do? What did Jesus do? And so for just a minute, I want to take a look at a few verses and see, how did Jesus interact with the world? Let's look at John three seventeen. and it'll be on the screen. For God sent his Son into the world to condemn the world in order that they would feel bad enough to be saved by him. That doesn't, that's not right. Let's try, let's try that again. John three seventeen. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Check out Matthew chapter 9. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, Oh man, I didn't know they were sinners. I hope no one sees me. They may think I believe what they believe. I better distance myself from this crowd. 
I wouldn't want people getting the wrong idea. I am here for the righteous people whose sin isn't as bad as the sin of these people because I rank sin and their sin is definitely worse. There's some humor to that. There's a whole lot of truth to that. Let me just tell you, it didn't take me long to write that up because it comes from the inside. Let's see what that verse really says. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Romans 12. Try to get this one right the first time. Shun those who persecute you. And it's okay for you to curse at them because, hey, you're a Christian. Live in harmony with those who believe the same as you. Be proud that you are right and they are wrong. And make sure you don't associate with any of those people. If someone does something you don't like, get them back even worse. Make sure you do what is right to you with no concern for anyone else's feelings. As far as it depends on you, make sure that others feel really bad for their sin. If your enemy is hungry, tell him all the reasons he should have more money and degrade him for feeding off of the government. Do not be overcome by evil, and you can do this by shouting your opinion louder than anyone else. Seems wrong, doesn't it? But let's be honest. We see this played out a lot. What does it actually say? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. It's his job. On the contrary, this is our job. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Last one. I think we got this one right the first time. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, Matthew chapter 9, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he condemned them because they did not agree with him and did not immediately stop their sinning. Then he said to his disciples, let's get on Facebook and tell them how wrong they are. Oh, Facebook. What does Matthew 9 really say? Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. We are called to be shepherds called to be shepherds. Now, lest, lest you think I'm, I'm 
bashing Christians, and maybe it is. My, my hope is that I'm challenging us, because that's what it's been for me. A challenge for me to internally look at myself and say, how am I representing Jesus? How, how am I representing Jesus? If, if people are seeing Jesus through me, what, what are they seeing? Is Jesus attractive? And I'm battling with all these questions. But what I've seen and what I know in dealing with millennials and, and the people that I've been around, there's a world out there that's looking for the love of Jesus, not the condemnation of a religion. Let me say that again. There is a world out there that's looking for the love of Jesus, not the condemnation of a religion. There are three things uh, that, that I think Jesus did that, that I, I would love to see the church really take a hold of. And, and one thing I love is that I see these things happening at Solace Church. Again, this is not a condemnation of all Christianity and the church. Listen, we're still moving forward. People are being saved. So please don't, this is not a doomsday message. This is just a, hey, let's, Let's have a conversation message. There are three things that, I, that, that Christ did that I would love to see us push into. First of all, he was willing to touch people. He was willing to touch people. In Matthew chapter 8, a, a leper comes to Jesus and kneels before him and says, If you're willing, you can touch me and make me clean. And Jesus, the Bible says, reaches out and touches the leper and makes him clean in that moment. Now, if you know anything about lepers and you've heard about this, they were... They were outcasts. They were useless. They were hopeless. But Jesus touched him right where he was at. He didn't condemn him. He didn't say, how did you, how did you get this leprosy? What are you doing? He touched him. He met his physical need right where he was at. And I think that, that as Christians and as churches, if, we would, if that would be our posture and our attitude is, hey, how can I meet your need? then we can get into, hey, you, you know, your lifestyle or whatever's going on. That's why I'm so excited about the refuge. We're going to be talking more about that in the next year, but that's going to be a way that we can physically, tangibly touch people and meet their needs. But Jesus was willing to look past the exterior and get to the heart. What are you doing in your life? What am I doing in my life to touch the people around us. How long do you think it had been since that guy had been touched? Months? Years? Decades maybe? Jesus didn't care. He stepped in the situation. He touched him. Jesus was willing to look at people. He was willing to look at people. The story of the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus and says, hey, how can I have eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you just got to keep the commandments. And, and the rich young ruler says, hey, I'm good there. I got that. And then the Bible says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. Why? Because Jesus saw to the heart of the matter. He didn't, he didn't see just this answer that this guy gave. He saw to the heart of what was going on. And so he says to him, listen, sell all your stuff, sell your possessions, give it to the needy. And of course, the guy didn't do it. But Jesus, even knowing the guy's heart, knowing that, that he loved money more than people, looked at him and loved him. Didn't look at him and condemn him. He looked at him and he loved him. How are we looking at people? Are we judging them? Let me tell you something. I have a gift at judging. I, I'm really good. I can look at most people and tell you their life story. As a matter of fact, um, my wife and I will go places and we'll just sit and we'll people watch and I can come up with an entire life story for someone. I, I do it to be funny, but let's be honest. I do it because I feel like I can look at people and, and tell them what they're doing wrong. Jesus didn't do that. He wanted to see the heart. He wanted to see who they really were. You see it with Zacchaeus, this crooked tax collector. Zacchaeus, of course, climbs up in a tree because he's short and 
Bible says that as Jesus is coming through, he looks up in the tree at Zacchaeus and says, hey, come on down. I'm going to go to your house and we're going to have dinner. Why? Because he didn't see what everyone else saw. He didn't see the crooked tax collector. He saw a human being who was in need of a savior. And he wanted to be that love for him. So he went to his house and he dined with sinners. What do you see when you see people who aren't like you? What do I see? It's a big challenge. This God has been breaking my heart for others. And my prayer for myself and for the church is that we would have the eyes of Jesus, that we would look out and we would see people for who they really are, broken, lost, needing a Savior. And Jesus is that light that they need. Lastly, he was willing to listen to people. He was willing to listen to people. You see it all through Scripture. You see it with with the woman at the well. You see it with the woman who was caught, caught in adultery. Jesus didn't go in and just start ranting at them. Hey, what are you doing? You're such an adulteress. Look at you. What a moron. These rocks are going to hurt really bad. He didn't do that. Did he? He engaged with her. He asked questions. He listened. Why? Because Jesus understood that there's walls that are up. And when we come in and we condemn or we give our opinion or we tell them what we think, that wall is right there. But Jesus knew I have to come in and I have to break these walls down. They're, they're just a, a human being who's looking for something. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. And Jesus got that. And he broke down those walls and he was able to have conversations and he was able to ask those tough questions. And I'm going to be honest, I think that the perception of Christianity would change if we would just sit down across from people, hear their story, listen to them hear the heart of what's going on instead of giving unwanted advice. Just listen. That's what Jesus did. Let me just say, you can't listen to the heart of someone from behind a computer screen and a keyboard. Let me say that again because I think this is a huge issue that's plaguing the church. You can't hear the heart of someone and they can't hear your heart behind a computer and behind a keyboard. I think at some point, it's time to get off of social media and start getting into social settings where we can have some real conversations and really get to the heart. Because when you're one-on-one, it's a completely different conversation. I don't know that I've seen a lot of good by someone ranting on Facebook and then a, the, you know, someone else from the other side ranting. I, I have not seen the outcome be like, oh, you're so right. I change everything I ever thought. Thank you, sir. For blasting me. I, I don't see that happening on Facebook. I see this just back and forth hatred that's going on, and then I see the two people who are doing it, and I know that they're both good people who love people, and if they would just sit down together, things would be completely different. Is there a time to be on Facebook and rant? I don't, maybe. Maybe there is. But I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and One thing we never talk about, I want to be the ears of Jesus. Nobody talks about that. Like, what's wrong with Jesus' ears? I want to be his ears. Sometimes people just need to talk. And you can hear the heart and then speak into what's going on in their life. So this this is the battle that I'm facing. How do I balance wanting the truth to be told 
with loving the world? Here's the answer. Write it down. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just being honest. I don't know. But I know that I want my posture, I want my attitude to be the same as Christ. And his posture was love first. How, how do I change this culture that's happening? The things that are going on. How do I, I don't know. But what I do know is that I want this culture, I want the millennials to know that there's a God who loves them. And they don't have to fit my mold to experience that love. Let me say that again. There is a culture out there that needs to know that there's a God who loves them and they don't have to fit my mold to experience that love. Let me say that again. There's a culture out there that needs to know that there's a God who loves them no matter what and they don't have to fit my mold to experience the life-changing love of Jesus Christ. Here's some thoughts that I had and I just, I just jotted these down because I, I have to get this stuff out because it is eating me alive because I, I, I am completely torn at this point in my life on how to be Jesus, but here's, here's what I've decided. God doesn't care about me being right. He cares about me being righteous. He doesn't care about me being right. He doesn't care that I shout the loudest. He cares about me being righteous. The world isn't looking for a lecture. It's looking for the light. Listen, this world is caught up in darkness, and it's not a lecture that's going to pierce the darkness. It's the light that pierces the darkness. It's the, the life-changing message of Jesus Christ that we carry inside of us. That's the light that's going to change the world. And I want that to be shown out through me. We're the salt and the light of the world. How are we getting that message out? I would rather someone see Jesus than see my opinion. Now, there are moments that I can create there are times that I can share with someone my opinion because I've created that moment. But at, at the core of me, I want them to look at me and see Jesus instead of my opinion. I don't want them to immediately look at me and be like, oh, he's one of those Christians. Here's what he believes about me. He doesn't, he doesn't care for me. He doesn't love me because I'm this way and I believe this. I want them to see arms open. Here it is. And, and I'm, I'm not there. I'm trying to get there. And I saw this quote. This one isn't mine. Those other three were. You can... You can hashtag those or whatever. <laughs> Put something good out there on Facebook. Anyway, I saw this. I would rather make a long-term difference than a short-term statement. I would rather make a long-term difference than a short-term statement. I, I don't want to be right. I want people to be saved from their sin and meet the living God who changed my life. I, I have been that lost person. And I'm telling you right now, Christian rant kept me away from church. It's only when I experienced the true love of Christ through people, our pastor was one of them, that I began to see Jesus for who he really is. And again, this is not to condemn, but to challenge. Can we just think through this? Again, this is something I'm dealing with. I, I just want to challenge you. How do you look? If Christianity was shown through the way you looked, if Jesus was seen through the way you looked, are you attractive? I think it's a question that the church has got to start asking in this, in this crazy world that we live in. How are we being the light? How are we doing being ambassadors for Jesus?
I want to leave you with this scripture and, and I'll be done. But I think to me, this Philippians chapter 2 speaks to the attitude. And if we want to know how to react in situations, how to, how to be, I, I can't tell you. That, that's something, that's between you and God. But I think that if we have this mentality, that it's really going to help us be the right person that he wants us to be in those moments. This is what it says about how Jesus, who Jesus is. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, if Jesus has touched your life at all and changed you, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another. This is, this is it right here. He tells us, literally, how do we act with people in your relationships with one another. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends... As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And what is his purpose? To save the lost. That's the purpose. That's why we're here as Christians. If we're taking on the, the, the likeness of Jesus, we are here to help those who don't know Jesus know Jesus. That's the basis of the Christian faith. And I've got to look at myself and I've got to say, am I doing that? When I look at my social media, when I look at my family, when I look at the way that I talk to my friends about other people, what is showing that I love people? What is showing the love of Christ through what I'm doing? That's, that's where I'm at in my life. And I would love for us as a church to take an inventory and say, how are we out there showing the love of Christ? And maybe you're doing a great job and, and I celebrate you. But today I think it's time to take an internal look as the church and say, how can we make Jesus more attractive seeking first to love people and I don't know where you're at and I don't know if this hits you but it has been heavy heavy on my heart in these times that we live in you should bow your head and close your eyes and again this, this is a day not, not to condemn but to challenge a day to just say hey are we being Jesus Hey, this is Pastor Matt Blair. Thank you so much for taking time to check out our podcast today at solacechurch.com. You know, we realize that it's possible, as you listen to this message today, that God may have spoken to your heart about something. So if you made any kind of spiritual decision, we would love to know about that. You can email us at info at solacechurch.com and let us know what happened in your life today. Once again, thank you so much for taking time to check out this podcast.